Hello, and welcome to Las Doctoras podcast, bringing you conversations about race, gender, sexuality, reproductive justice, and so much more. I am Dr. Renee Limas, gender pronouns she, her. I am Dr. Christina Rose, gender pronouns she, her, hers. In this podcast, we are going to share space with women and other people of color to discuss ways to dismantle all systems of oppression, including white supremacist, capitalistic, cis-heteronormative patriarchy. We imagine ourselves sitting at the table in our abuelita's house, sharing a pot of frijoles de la olla and chasing that with a shot of tequila, all while thinking up revolutionary ideas. That's the sentiment we hope to bring you, and we invite you to join us on this journey. Bienvenidos. Hello, and welcome to Las Doctoras, episode 11. So in this episode, we continue our conversation with Lucha and Jovita, and we start right where we left off, um, discussing the struggles and challenges of academia, the specific pressures we feel to produce publications, um, to oftentimes overwork ourselves, um, and to really just maintain this constant hustle. And we talk about the toll that it takes on our mental health, having to balance all the different responsibilities, both in academia and our outside lives, whether it's um, our responsibilities to our families, to our friends, um, to our community, and, you know, balancing all of that, all of those responsibilities with basic self-care. And we discuss approaches that we have had to incorporate in order to navigate all of these different pressures. And I, I really appreciated what Jovita and Lucha had to share about this. Um, and sometimes it does leave us in these desperate moments of trying to find the answer, trying to find the easy way to make it all work. Um, but Jovita, I thought, said something really powerful. And she reminds us to focus on the small victories, right? To to recognize those things that that do bring us joy. You know, for me personally, for however stressful this life is, I'm always reminded that this is a career that I chose, something that I ultimately love and have a passion for. So just kind of rem- reminding myself of those. And um, I really liked the way Jovita called it, you know, just focusing on those small victories. Um the crux of our conversation, though, lands actually in discussing activism and what it means to be an activist and what those terms mean both historically and what they mean now. Um, I think because we're all in academic fields that have this inherent sort of activist tone to it, um, this is something that we struggle with, you know, aside again from our responsibilities to academia in general. Um, you know, to our family lives, but also like, you know, what is our responsibility to activism? And I think it was a really interesting conversation because we discussed the historical tensions among activists as to like what all of that means. And um, sometimes these ways in which activist spaces can, can really sort of highlight um, egoism and toxicity and romanticism and ultimately the sort of patriarchy that um, are inherent within community organizing spaces. Um, and that sometimes even in these spaces where we're trying to fight against oppressive systems, we can also be upholding and reproducing oppressive systems as well. Um, we specifically end up talking about Mecha, 
So for those of you who are not familiar with Mecha, Mecha is a student organization that um, was founded in the 60s. And they were founded, you know, upon on the premise that um, wanting to have representations of Chicanos and Chicanas in higher education. So looking at um, ways in which um, universities can um, open up more possibilities for um, Chicanos and Chicanas to be accepted into college, um, looking at um, faculty and staff, right? The representation of Chicanas and Chicanos on the faculty and staff of universities. And ultimately, um, Mecha and other sort of student organizations and, and the Chicano movement, right? They, it all sort of culminates in the founding of Chicano studies departments, um, or initially they were programs, but, um, eventually departments in many, uh, universities, particularly in California and the Southwest, but ultimately, um, all over the country. And, um, you know, recently, what has come up is that um, some Mecha chapters have wanted to change the name because the name is the name Mecha, M-E-C-H-A, um, is an acronym for Movimiento Estudiantil Chicano de Aslan. That was sort of the name at its inception. And so there's been a lot of push to possibly change the name. This push for a name change um, comes from a, a critique of Mecha that um, they were not necessarily inclusive of LGBTQ plus people. Um, there's a further critique of anti-blackness and anti um, sort of Central and South American. Um, there's all these different critiques, particularly of the name in and of itself, but also some of the rhetoric upon which it was founded on. According to what I've read, they haven't decided exactly um, what they want to change it to, or some chapters have already changed it to whatever you know thing that they want to change it to. But it was really interesting because I noticed um, an uproar, an uproar on social media um, about this name change, particularly from sort of old school, you know, Chicanos. And I say that particularly Chicanos. A lot of them are men um, with a resistance to this name change. And, um, you know, I've, I've personally have had a lot of thoughts about it and I've talked to colleagues. And even prior to this interview, Lucha and I had talked about it. And I realized that we were both kind of on the same page. And I thought, okay, I'm not, you know, like I, I, I'm on the right track in terms of what I've been thinking. Um, so we kind of talk about that. And I think um, at the very least, it adds a nuanced layer to this conversation that's kind of happening out there in social media. And so I think it's a really important layer. Um, and I think it's a really important piece. Um, and, um, and again, sort of looking at this name change in conversation with our critiques of, um, of the ways in which activism has historically been defined. And it sort of leads us to really wanting, um, Ultimately, to say activism needs to be more nuanced, right? The definition, we want to redefine activism to be more nuanced, to be more inclusive. Um, and especially because we are all educators. And so we deal with the youth <laughs> all the time, right? We have a new batch of students coming into 
coming into our classrooms every semester, every quarter. And um, me personally, I see the youth and I see the energy they have and I see um, the motivation they have. And I have such a deep faith in our youth. And when I hear or when I see conversations on social media sort of knocking the youth um, in wanting to change the name of Mecha particularly, um, there's this sort of like, oh, these young kids, these millennials, they don't know what they're talking about. You know, they, us old timers, you know, we know, you know, we know what the struggle really is and we know how to get it, you know, how to get change done. And to me, that's really problematic. Um, again, I think, and I, th- and I feel like I can speak for, um, my colleagues, you know, Jovita and Lucha and, and Christina in this way that, you know, I think we have such a deep faith in our students and in our youth that um, I I really want to follow what they're doing, right? And and Lucha says it really well. You know, if, if they're if they're calling for changes to be made, um, then why not? You know, why not sort of allow for this evolution of activism? Um, so you know, again, it's it's a very complex conversation, and it's. It's, you know, for me, it's always about we need to be adding layers. It's it's never a simple answer or a simple yes or no. You know, there always needs to be more complexity. And I think we add a layer of complexity in that way. Um, the other thing that I really, for me, when I when we first sat down and interviewed Lucha and Jovita, and, you know, it's been it's been a while now since the interview actually took place. And for me, the thing that stuck the most is something that Lucha said. You know, we talk about um, what activism is and what that means and how we incorporate that in our lives, both both as academics and as parents and as really just people, you know, in the world. And it's not always easy, you know, and Lucha says it's messy. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that is such the perfect phrase for it, right? Because it's not as simple as saying, you know, okay, I want to integrate these things into the lives of my children, or I want to, you know, um, you know, make these critiques of gender, make these critiques of race, you know, but we also have to be self-reflective, right? Like, how am I perpetuating these things? And how is my parenting, you know, perpetuating, you know, systems of oppression? And, and, and it's, it's very complicated and it's not easy, you know, and on top of that, we're just trying to live day to day, right? We're just trying to put food on our table and, you know, and, and also find joy in our lives. And so it can all be very, very messy, um, but I think ultimately, like, we need to be okay with the messiness. You know, I think having children has taught me that so much that, yeah, we're going to live in a mess, <laughs> you know, and sometimes living in the mess is is freeing, right? Like, you know, I find when I'm with my kids and, you know, I'm I'm so caught up in like, oh, I need, we need to keep things neat, then I, all day I'm, I'm anxious and I'm trying to keep things together. Um, versus when I'm like, okay, just go for it. Just, you know, destroy that. I mean, you know, to a limit, but just make a mess, have fun, play, and, you know, we'll clean it up later. I find myself just much more relaxed in that, right? And so for me, you know, that's just the analogy I use with, you know, the idea of like being okay with a mess 
Um, and I think ever since I heard Lucha say that, I've kind of had that approach with my own activism, right? It's messy. It's not going to be perfect. Um, I'm going to make mistakes. Um, I'm not always going to get it right. I'm always going to be learning. I'm always going to be growing. I'm always going to be evolving. Um, and I think that's kind of what we were all speaking to in terms of what activism should be, right? Is, yeah, we want to go in this direction of liberation and freedom, um, but it's a messy path and we need to be okay with that and um, and constantly be, be growing and evolving and, and learning from our mistakes. So, um, yeah, I think this was... You know, this is the second part of this conversation with these, with these mujeres and, um, you know, the more opportunities that Christina and I have to talk to, to really to our colleagues, you know, and to other people in similar situations, it helps us grow so much. And, and so we hope that our listeners in listening to this conversation, they also grow in themselves and, um, maybe, you know, find approaches that we've, you know, we've integrated into our lives, um, relatable as well. So, yeah. So here is the second part of our conversation with Lucha Arevalo and Jovita Morioleon. I, I just want to say, I remember, I think it was last year. I think it was around the time I had just finished and I think you had just given birth or something and we ran into each other on campus <laughs> and you were like, how did you do it? Yes. And I, I felt such like, you were almost like desperate for the answer. The answer. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. <laughs> and it was true because I, I it, for me, it was still so fresh, like just finishing. Yeah. But it was also, it was also like, I had to reflect, how did I do it? Mm. And I knew you were looking for like, what's the secret answer? Yeah. And it was kind of like, there is no secret answer. Yeah, it's so difficult. Like, I, I, I wanted the answer. Like, I wanted the secret. I'm like, how did you do it? I just wanted to ask <laughs> everyone. And someone told me, um, Lucha, there is no right time to write. Like, you write while you're changing diapers. You mm. write while you're teaching you write while you're prepping you write while you're organizing in those 30 minutes in that hour that three hour and and i thought about it and it was like wow like if i put together all the time that i just devoted to writing my dissertation my 300 page dissertation (laughs) it took me six months Mm -hmm. you know and and it made me realize like wow it would have been nice to just be on a fellowship and just write (laughs) right um but the struggle is real and this is the struggle right and and realizing like we have to do these things as we do all these other things right because it's not like we don't have the luxury to just be writers to just be academics (laughs) and you know i always say the process i mean even though it's so hard to write wherever like write like anzaldo says in the bathroom wherever you got you go Mm -hmm. you know but I think that I want to say it adds to your work, right? It's, it's you know, yes, a fellowship would be nice, but this, like, kind of, you know, the isolation of that has, you know, it, maybe it's missing something. It's missing the, you know, the everyday um, yeah. that your life, you know, gives to your writing, you know? And I wanted to add something to that. So one of the things I'm realizing as I'm talking, right, to other folks, right, because that's, that's how I've been surviving, right? I talk to people that have PhDs. I talk, especially mm-hmm. minorities people of color because I know that that their struggles are going to be similar mm-hmm. to mine right mm-hmm. but one of the things that I noticed right is that nobody's going to pay you to write 
So you better, you know, and one of the things that we all learn is how to hustle, right? Mm -hmm. And so, so we're trying, we're trying. (laughs) So, so you, you know, and right now at the moment, I'm engaged in so many projects, but because there's a pressure for us to publish, right? And there's a pressure for Mm. us to get stuff out there, Mm -hmm. right? At least in my industry, you know, I have to, it's almost like I'm engaged in so many things, but then I have to think about, but then I think about the system has to change, y'all. This is, we're going to have to reach because of all the mental health that is going on. Because I honestly do feel that it's not just with, not just with the students, but with the professors, too. As, I'm, <laughs> as I talk to professors, right, I'm like, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, it's, it's here. It's here, and it's here with y'all, too, right? Mm-hmm. So there has to be um, somehow, somewhere, we're gonna, the system's going to have to change, right? With, where we don't have to, you know, you know, impose so much on our personal time. To be putting just out, you know, creating output and output yeah. and output, you know. Um, but when I found out, right, that aside from doing my three years and aside from do, still having to do my qualifying exams and my and my proposal and my dissertation, I still have to look into a postdoc, right? Oh. I was like, well, I'm not done, right? I thought I was done, right? And they're like, no, right? And then the first experience that I had um, publishing, right, creating a piece for, for the Journal of Oncology, right? And I looked at the build environment and the impact that it has on our health, right? We were looking at breast cancer. We were looking at, at the build environment, right? Because where we live, where we grow mm. up impacts our health. Um, and, I, and, it, and, I, and then I pretty much did everything, right? I realized, damn, dude, like the amount of work that goes into writing something, one, is a lot. Mm-hmm. Two, nobody's paying for us. And we really got to love what, well, I really got to love what I do because I'm excited as I'm writing this, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's when I realized, hey, I think I, I do belong in a doctor program. I think this is my industry, right? Mm-hmm. So it's little moments like that, what I call small victories. And I've been, and I do a lot of, I hear a lot of podcasts. Mm-hmm. There's a PhD podcast that talks about people of color or minorities in, in, in higher education. I forget what it's called. I could give you the, mm-hmm. the info later. But I talk, I, when, I, when I drive around, because I drive all over the place too, I play my podcast, my, my, self, my self-care podcast, because I need to hear that. Mm-hmm. Need to totally. be, need to be centered back, and I need to be brought back because this, you know, academia alone is heavy, and there's a lot of pull elements that are pulling you mm. in just academia. When you add to that, that I'm not a traditional student, we're just talking about that, Lucha, that, that I come with, with a, fam, a strong family background, that I have my obligation to my siblings, that I have my obligations to my mama, my dad, my Nina, right? That my community, mm-hmm. that at the reason I'm in my program is so I can better the health of my community. Compton is the second, has the second or the third uh, lowest um, life expectancy wow. in California, right? Um, then, yes, I do have a commitment. So, yes, health is important. But it's little moments like these that I feel like have brought me back and have centered me, have reminded me, Hoyta, this is what you're in the public health program, when everything else feels like it's falling apart or I feel like mm-hmm. there's too much pressure put on us to mm-hmm. publish and publish and publish, get work done, get work done. And I, I've gotten to that point where I'm like, okay, Jovita, you gotta, you, if, if you have 15 minutes, sit down, write something. And then, you know, finding little, little, little small times, yeah. right, and um, to do work. And then above everything else, there's what I want to do in my personal life. There's my academic life, <laughs> right? You're like, can I get a drink? Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I learned, you know, in the Go on a date. Good, yeah. <laughs> at least one. We can we go I'm, dancing? Yeah, <laughs> really. And one drink, maybe. Yeah. One. I want to be a mom. I realize that I want to be a mom. Mm. But then I hear about, you know, I hear everybody's stories, and I feel like it's really good. But I feel like if I bring a child into this 
that you know the nice type of lifestyle right now because it's on the go on the go on the go on the go and i drive everywhere and that alone two hours driving you know in la you take two hours to get anywhere right yeah um and the amount of writing that i have to do and the publications and the this can i really handle a child mm-hmm. as much as i wanted mm-hmm. you know <laughs> so that, we're, we're like i don't know uh, <laughs> i don't know i mean this is, I think, Christine and I, like, talk about the hustle. Like, that's part of what this podcast is. Like, yeah. this is our hustle yeah. of trying to, yeah. like, create spaces outside of, yeah, the university expectations of us. You know, we've been pretty... This is, like, our hustle, our therapy, our... Yeah. <laughs> our self-care, <laughs> our achievement yes. our, our time. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and, it's, and it's, it's hard to sort of navigate those systems, yeah. you know, or navigate all the... All the responsibilities, and I think Christine and I have been pretty clear. Like we're not super interested in in the tenure track, mm-hmm. and that's huge mm-hmm. because we have. I think. I think what what we're saying is we want to spend that time with our kids, mm-hmm. recognizing that if we did do a tenure track, it would require us a, a certain commitment that maybe we're not willing to give. Willing to give, you know, mm-hmm. but but it's all, but what that means then mm-hmm. is that we are on this. Con- perpetual adjunct hustle we're at the whim of the university our we don't have uh, sustainability stability you know all of these things um and then of course um because i think what i want to get into and i think we've kind of been alluding to this but you know we have all these different obligations and then at the end of the day because all our work is so steeped in social justice um having to like navigate the systems of academia navigate mental health navigate parenthood and then also our sense of obligation to our communities Mm -hmm. right and that the work we do is for that you know it's so interesting because um i'm at a point in my life where i'm really trying to redefine activism especially like because a lot of people see me as like some super activist organizer like any anytime anyone brings up compton it's lucha mm-hmm. you know lucha and it's it's a lot to carry um and i and i feel like i don't want giving back to my community like what does that mean Mm -hmm. if i'm not there for my child Mm -hmm. if i'm not there for my partner if i'm not there for my family if i'm not there for my vecinos like vecina yourself for myself yes and and so i think sometimes like activism is so tokenized like it's just about putting up your fist for the picture make sure you're tweeting or instagramming that one thing that's trending you know make sure you make it out to the march and we're having this conversation right it's like how am i gonna make it out to the march with a one-year-old that's gonna run all over the place (laughs) and you have to pack a million snacks and you have to like exactly and and, and you know, I'm not throwing shade at those that are able to do that and that yeah, do that. Uh-huh. All power to you. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. But I cannot do that. Yeah. Like I can, I'm not in a place in my life where I could do that. Yeah. And and I think about like as the head of my household, like the one that's only working, and my partner holding it down in the house, you know, taking care of our child. And I think about how like, um, and then I also hear, you know, on the sidelines, uh, folks who are supposed to be organizing with me make little re- remarks sometimes like, oh, it's just a dissertation. And I'm like, what? Like, this is like my life's work. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. maybe for you it was just a dissertation, but for me, like, 
it's almost dismissing all the labor of love that goes into doing this type of this is my activism like mm-hmm. and so for me it's it's really about like community is not like some abstract thing that's out there like community is who's sitting at the table with me right now. Mm-hmm. Like community is like building these relationships that are authentic, that are raw, that are reciprocal, mm-hmm. that are long lasting, you know, for me, like complicated, complex, yes. you know, <laughs> you know, and, and so for me, it's, it's also about like uh, building boundaries, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're not a part of my community and I don't <laughs> want you to be a part of my community <laughs> and being okay with that. Um, so, so that's, I'm at a point in my life where I'm, I'm okay with taking a step back. Like, I don't want to be the face for things. Like, I actually want to be in the background so I can really put into practice all the skills and the knowledge that I have because I have a lot to give. Um, and realizing that, like, that's good enough. Mm, I, yes. I, I love this yes. so much because it's so validating. You know, I think academia can be isolating on one hand and like parenthood could be isolating Mm -hmm, on another mm -hmm. hand and then there's these expectations of what activism is supposed to look Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. so for you to come in and be like you know it doesn't have to look a certain way even though I sometimes have those ideas I'm like is it just me or what's Mm -hmm. you know but I, I think a lot about that where you know I've seen people who are out there on the marches and then it's like well what about your kids or like mm-hmm. where you know mm-hmm. maybe they're absentee parents or whatever and um, and like for me I see my parenting as part of my activism yes. too like we talk mm-hmm. about like breaking gender roles or expectations mm-hmm. of gender and I'm like okay that's cool that I can lecture about that all day long but how am I really doing yes. that for my kids Right. You yeah, know, and it's and it's not easy. Mm-hmm. It's not. Yeah. Um, it's hard to sort of put your your you know mm-hmm. like to, uh, walk the walk mm-hmm. because it's messy. They, it's messy, messy because you know I'm always like yeah there's certain things that we want to do in this house but they still also go out into the world mm-hmm. and have all these other influences and so. Mm-hmm. You know, and then I don't want to be talking about it every second of the day. Like, I kind of want to just chill out sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know. So it's super messy and, like, having space for even activism to be Mm -hmm. messy, you know. And um, I think there's, like, a performative aspect of it. There's this, like, perfectionist aspect of it. And it's, like, the ego. Yeah, you know, and I think a lot of a lot of those spaces are super toxic. We we romanticize them too much, and they're very Mm. ego driven. If if it's not fueling my soul, if it's not fueling my spirit, (laughs) if it's not making me evolve and grow as a person, then it's not for me. Um, And I think that a lot of times, you know, yeah, like those spaces are very toxic and uphold patriarchy by both Mm. men and women um Mm -hmm. and we need to talk more (laughs) about that in an honest transparent way and so like as someone you know we were talking the other day like as someone who has been doing this work for like over a decade I'm really reevaluating like what does that look like for the rest of my life and and maybe it's going to continue to evolve Mm -hmm. but like I think about Well, of course, people may not understand because maybe they are not parents. Like, they don't have these obligations. Like, Mm -hmm. they they don't have, like, this weight of the world that I'm trying to traverse. And so that's okay, right? But this is what it looks like for me. Yeah. 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 And and I think that to add to that, right, one of the things that I used to be part of those circles, right, Um, they were all, you know, and maybe to this day, I very... 
um, you know, let's go out, let's go do this, let's go do that. But I think as I've been, as I've been, as I've been, you know, learning how to give back to myself, I think that's one of the biggest lessons in my 30s. And I went into my 30s always asking myself, how do I give back? Um, is is learning what to say, okay, this doesn't fulfill my heart. Mm-hmm. This doesn't fulfill this. this. What am I here for, Jovita? I'm here for healing, right? Because I understand that the impact that mental health has on individuals and that if we don't take care of our mental health, it's going to mess up our whole physical health. And they go hand in hand, right? Mm-hmm. So that's been one of the things that I've been telling myself. And a lot of the times, so I've, I've moved back, right? And one of the conversations, and I absolutely love all of my friends that I have, I have uh, a lot of social worker, therapists, and psychologists friends. And one of the discussions that we have is, you know, all of it, what are we here for? Like, I'm all for the movimiento. I, I, I agree with you. I agree with you on this part and this part, but not this one, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I'm also mujer, right? So mm-hmm. I don't ha- I I have more obligations, right? Or I identify as a, as a, as a woman, right? So I, I have more obligations, right, than our, our male counterparts have, right? So they could go to every march. They could feel, be here, be here, be there, you know? Oof. And I, I don't, right? Mm-hmm. I have a whole mm-hmm. different set of responsibilities that our culture imposes on me, right? That mm-hmm. I'm learning how to say even no to, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even saying no to your mom can be a little scary, right? <laughs> <laughs> but it's changing this this way of thinking about activism. And I think, mm-hmm. listen, what worked in the 90s is great. What worked in the early 2000s great. What worked 10 years ago, 2008, Okay, so we I, we can't finish this without. I have to. Re- we gotta talk about Mancha because, <laughs> like, because I feel like I feel like we're that's what we're yeah. kind of working around, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and I think it's an important conversation to have because, like I've said, so anyone who doesn't know, any <laughs> listeners, right? The idea of Mancha changing their name, right? Mm-hmm. Like um. And there's been a lot of these critiques about mm-hmm. the name and even about the. The sort of rhetoric that it's found grounded in, right? Like the the planes, right? Mm-hmm. Plan espiritual de Aslan mm-hmm. and plan de Santa Barbara, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, and there's sort of an uproar about changing the name. And in my opinion, <laughs> what I've seen is a lot of these male voices from 30, 40 years ago, even 10 years ago, mm-hmm. right? That are like this is how we did it, you know, Mm -hmm. and, you know, how dare you want to change the name because then you're Mm -hmm. using the word vendidos, right, Mm -hmm. and, like, all of this stuff, and Mm -hmm. um, I'm like, I don't want to hear from Mm y'all because I'm done. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I want to hear from where where are the Chicanas, where are the the queer Chicanas, what are they saying, and Mm -hmm. why are are you listening to what they're saying? Mm -hmm. So... I'm anyway. right there. I'm right there with you. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, this is actually the first time that I publicly uh, <laughs> am talking about this because I've intentionally like have taken a step back. I'm like until I hear more Afro Latinx, mm-hmm. until I hear Ooh. more Indigenous, queer, trans, like until mm-hmm. I hear more mujeres, like really mm-hmm. like talking about this and not just on the sidelines, like yeah. how we've been talking, right? Um, then. I don't want to hear that. Like, I just, mm-hmm. I, because I, I see it. I see it in my feet, and, I see, and I'm just like, ah. You know, same debates it was, like, when mm-hmm. I was a machista mm-hmm. at UC Santa Barbara. You know, and, like, for me, um, I, I feel like, for me, Mecha was a training ground, right? It was a training ground to traverse the patriarchy, the misogyny, the mactivism, the all that, you know? And so, for Call me, like, yes. Yeah. 
And and I was lucky enough, like in undergrad, to to have El Congreso, which was our metro chapter, but also to have Mujer. You know, so women, you know, have always created alternative spaces. Like, uh-huh. and so I think that if the if young people and older people and whoever are the current machistas in in this generation, if they're saying that this is not working for them, if they're saying that this is not no longer um, a reflection of who we are today as a people. If it's not representing, you know, more indigenous, more Afro-Latinx, more Central American, and, and who we see as part of our communities, if it's not that, in, if then it needs to change. Mm-hmm. And I respect that, like I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as someone who's still involved in organizing spaces, yeah, like I don't identify as Rasa. Like, um, and I don't identify in ways that people read me. And so um, also realizing how, you know, the name does say a lot. It, it says a lot about, like, who could join. It says a lot about who's there. It says a lot about who won't join because of that. And so, mm-hmm. yes, like, the name is important. And if it's no longer working, then we should evolve out of it. Mm-hmm. That's where I stand with that. <laughs> but. And, and I have something to add to that. So I, I never really have identified as a machista. And I did some work when I was at Cal State LA, I will say that. But one of the reasons I never really did is because I think, um, because I come from Compton, I don't think, I know this to be very true, because I come from Compton, I didn't grow up in a predominantly Latino community, I grew up with African Americans. Mm. And a lot of the times they'll be like, oh, why do you have to advocate for them and not for us? Fool, this is not no competition. (coughs) You know, and I'll be honest, ladies, like, I'm a very strong-minded woman. Right. And I challenge men and I challenge our men to the core. Right. And I think it was Michelle Obama that came up. I don't know if you all remember that came up. Um, she said something about, you know, don't baby men. And all these Latinas started like replying back to her, <laughs> to her Twitter. Right. It happened like four or five years ago. Right. <laughs> but that's the thing. Right. I'm a, I support you. I, I and I understand your struggles. Cause I know that Latino men are in a lot of pain. There's, when we talk mm. about mental health, let's 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 start with them. Right. Let's start with them. Let's talk about how the way how do they can historically have expressed themselves, really, right? Uh-huh. Which is really nothing, right? They haven't really done much. But, I'm, I'm sorry, I just gotta go there No, too. girl. You know, but... Drop some truth. Yes, but, again, like, I feel being in academia, being in all these other circles, I constantly ask the question, what worked then doesn't work now? Mm-hmm. And how are we being inclusive? And if we're all about empowering one another, if we're all about making movimiento, if we're all about this and this and this and this and this and this, and you don't want to be inclusive of other folks, mm-hmm. even with the Latin X right uh, mm-hmm. term, right? Mm-hmm. Don't you know food? Like and I had this conversation recently. Like food, don't you know that the X, like historically, like well not historically, but just Spanish has been gendered, right? It's either a right Latina or Latino, right? Mm-hmm. So with the ad, when you add the X. It's like you're being inclusive of other folks. And then, yeah. oh, but, you know, but this, no, 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 don't come up with it. BS. The right? resistance no. to to change yes. is astonishing it is. to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, It's funny that you mm-hmm. say the Latinx because when I was writing my dissertation, I, oh, God, I don't know, it took me for a, a year, eight years all together for my PhD program, mm-hmm. but five years of graduating from, so from the time I first started writing, you know, it was sort of, I would put Latino slash A. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, like, maybe a year before I finished, like, this X came, mm-hmm. and I went back, and I had yeah. to, like, change it all, yeah. right? And I even had to, my um, committee asked me to do, like, a little blurb about, like, sort of Latinx. language, yeah. and yeah, why Latinx and stuff, mm-hmm. and so I had to do that work. But I was, like, 
if that's what people are using and that's what we need to do, then that's what we need to do, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not going to force, I don't know, I guess it's tradition or nostalgia or romanticism (laughs) or some other BS. And it's like, if that's where we're going, then... I don't understand the the resistance to evolution and and not in some weird white supremacist notion of that, but like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 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 but you know, just <laughs> nuanced, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. It just needs to be more nuanced. Yeah. You know, it needs to it needs to understand our complexities. And it's so interesting because I've seen this thing of like you know, Mecha being called out as anti-black and anti-indigenous and all these things. And they're like, what are you talking about? We're not we're anti-black. And then you say, and I've seen it before too, when people are like oh, well, black people are doing their thing. We're doing our thing. I'm like, ha. Yeah. 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 (laughs) How does that even, like, make sense, right? Like, um, that is anti-blackness to say, like, their struggle is separate from ours. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it all comes from the same shit. Like, we're Mm -hmm. all fighting the same shit. And Mm -hmm. to say, um, so, like, when I think about, like, what does liberation mean or Mm -hmm. what does freedom mean? um, So we do a lot of work in like reproductive justice stuff Mm -hmm. and sister song talks Mm -hmm. about like having it to center the most marginalized Mm -hmm. because when we do that, like we will all gain freedom, Mm -hmm. right? It's not a, from, you know, a top down situation. Mm -hmm. It's like looking who are the most vulnerable to mental Mm -hmm. health issues, Mm -hmm. right? Um, disabilities, um, you know, economically, Mm -hmm. like all of these educationally, like if Mm -hmm. we can look at those who are most vulnerable Mm -hmm. and meet their needs, then by default, all of our needs Mm -hmm. will be met. And it's not about like you do your thing and I do my Mm -hmm. thing. That just doesn't make any sense, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that's my critique of this Mecha thing, right? Like on one hand, they're saying we're not anti-black and on, and in the same sentence saying like, you know, we're doing our own thing separately. And I'm like that... And I, that is anti-blackness. Yeah. And I also wanted to add our role as women. Like, we're not... You gotta learn and how to find it within... Your, and it could be Mitch, it could be other spaces, it could be other organizations, and you gotta find it within yourself to see women not just as, as calladitas, not just as quiet. We come in all shapes, in all forms, in all, in all like, ways of expressing, different mm-hmm. ways of expressing. It could be that I'm very, very outspoken. It could be that I could, you know, throw it down. Not when I physically out, but, like, you know, <laughs> but, like, verbally, right? And it could be that maybe my way of speaking is not going to look like somebody else's. Don't mm-hmm. don't have us compete in a, where, compete with one another, man. Mm-hmm. And that's the beauty about growing up and becoming an older mujer, right? That that we start seeing each other. We get to the point where we start seeing mm-hmm. each other as, not as a competition, right? Yeah. But how do we help each other get to the next level? Because we've seen the importance of helping each other and, and pushing each other, mm-hmm. you know, or make, helping each other get get up there, right? Yeah. But don't reinforce these ideals of what a mujer is, right? And you have to bring women from again that are that from from all backgrounds, from all different ways of expressing, from all abilities or disabilities, from you know into your spaces. Because if you don't do that, mm-hmm. then you're not being fucking exclusive, right? Yeah. So that's just one of the things that I wanted to point out. Yeah. yeah. And that all of us again, like there's some people that are very quiet and can make movimiento. There's some people that are very outspoken and can make movimiento. But you know, bring mm-hmm. us all in. Yeah. All voices need to be yeah. to be heard. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. Um, I just, I, I had to go there <laughs> yeah. because I think too, like I hadn't really, I haven't really said anything and I wasn't in Mecha, you know, that was, mm-hmm. and I think I'm like, why wasn't I in Mecha? I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, cause I, I did my undergrad at Cal Long Beach and they had a Mecha chapter, mm-hmm. but I just, it, I, I don't know, maybe I just wasn't in the, in that space yet, mm-hmm. but even at Cal LA, I was just never machista, mm-hmm. but, um, even the, what, what, how I came to Chicano studies, Chicana studies 
was through um, a feminist lens, like mm-hmm. Dion, right, mm-hmm. our professor. Like, I was lucky enough to, in that program, have a lot of Chicana women mm-hmm. teaching me. And so I always came at, at it from this feminist lens. So for me, I always felt like at the inception, at its inception, the Chicana movement mm-hmm. was always being critiqued by women. Yes. And most of them were queer. Yep. Right? And so I'm like, this critique is not new. (laughs) And the fact that you are still saying the same, that you are still um, having the same resistance that you did. Suppression of those experiences. Back Mm -hmm. in, what, the 60s? -hmm. What does that say? Yeah. Anyway. (laughs) And and you know what? And I will say that, that I I absolutely love Cal City LA. I think we had really good Chicana and Centroamericana professoras. They were really, Mm -hmm. really good. All of them were very, very good. Um, But I think unless, you know, these spaces or these organizations are able to really change who they are, like really, like genuinely want to change who they are and take everybody in, including the LGBT community. And it's not just, Mm -hmm. I'm going to have one person identify all... all Yeah, like no tokenism. No, 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 no. no. Like, you know, we need to Mm -hmm. have, mix it, right? Mix it and Afro-Latinas and Asian-Latinas. Then, you know, then until then... Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, then, you know, then, then until then... You know, Mecha, I don't, I don't know how progressive we're gonna be. I, you know, I don't, I don't want to speak on the, on the rehab, but I don't. Know how I mean, be. it's interesting because I was a mechista, and a lot of that kind of toxic behavior. I will admit that I had embodied myself, yeah. and I think uh, Mecha really reproduces this idea that like you have to be at a certain level to be in that space. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And mm-hmm. becoming an educator, becoming a teacher has really. Um, forced me to really unlearn a lot of that behavior because I have to meet my students where they're at, not where mm-hmm. I want them to be. Mm-hmm. And in that realization, I had to realize that um, it's like even women reproduce patriarchy and yes. uphold patriarchy. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so thinking about how sometimes even like in how we frame things, mm-hmm. uh, we frame it as if like women, mujeres are absolved from these things. And it made me realize like I upheld that shit. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. I was a part of reproducing those things too. Mm-hmm. Like I made people cry at Mecha meetings mm-hmm. too. You know? <laughs> yeah. Damn. No, yeah, I'm really owning up to how yeah. tragic that was and, and and feel awful. Like I am like, oh I can't believe I was part of reproducing these things because the people I was learning from, they were modeling that behavior and they wow. were you know, and so I feel like um met, like again, those spaces are, are training spaces. Like they're they're yeah. training you for like all that stuff but i i honor people who don't want to be a part of those spaces too right and yeah. and because they see that and they're like well that's not for me you know and so for me i think about how like um maybe you know i'm i'm not talking about mecha on my facebook and instagram <laughs> you know i'm not having those public dialogues but i i have very strong opinions about what mm-hmm. is happening and and I share that with my students, mm-hmm. right? And so in my classroom, my class where it matters anyway. That's yeah. where it matters. Yeah. And so like in my classroom, like this is where we unpack these things, and this is where I get to hear like mo- mostly youth, um, my students who are expressing these sentiments. And so I see it, mm-hmm. right? And so like I remember seeing some stuff on on like Facebook where people were saying, you know, this is a reflection of their professors and their professors that are allowing students. I'm like. 
what? Like, as professors, we're not wow. there to, like, indoctrinate students. Like, we're not there to, to make them machistas. Like, and so I think it's just kind of like, it, like, you are so removed from the reality of what it is to be an mm. educator mm-hmm. and to be an organizer and to, and to just have a more, like, uh, understanding approach to, like, people are not always going to get be where you want them to be. Yeah. Well, how can we walk together we may not end up in the same place but that's okay too mm-hmm. like and so for me i think has been a lot of unlearning like unlearning yeah. those toxic behaviors um <sighs> unlearning that because i want to be an amazing educator that could mm-hmm. be able to transform at least my classroom space even just for that hour and a half <laughs> you know um, if only then if only at that yeah. moment yeah yeah Freeing ourselves from spaces like that perpetuate cycles of abuse, right? That are about power over versus power with. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, all of that is so entrenched in the university system, right? Um, and I wanted to take us into this conversation about like our plans, you know, for the future mm-hmm. as we maybe continually, you know, come into a space of not of wanting to create the relationship over domination, you know, because knowing that every time we play into the domination, we're playing into white mm-hmm. and male supremacy schemes, right, they, that have been set up. And and as we continually free ourselves as mothers or biological or any kind of mothering that we do, really, that's where I'm like, what, what, what do we do with that? Like, how does that change? I mean, it certainly changes, like, my hour, you know, in the classroom. Um and I do see that as a point of activism. It changes how I treat my child. And that's a point of activism if I'm not trying to dominate, if I'm trying to build a relationship, if I'm trying to be mm-hmm. present. Um, but, like, how do you envision the future of your <laughs> you? And this is what my, I, I ask my students, actually. Five years. What's the next five years? Mm-hmm. I don't know if we want to speak to that so, so much. Concretely, yeah. But, but what, yeah, what do you hope to do in the next bit of time in life. <laughs> what's next yeah what's next um well so for me it's, it's you know take the qualifying exams pass the qualifying exams do the proposal and get the dissertation done right so that's it's concrete so <laughs> you know it, it's yeah. interesting because i just have one uh, another colega uh, graduated with her with her doctorate dr morales um, I'm gonna send her the podcast, <laughs> and um, and and she's the one that tells me, "Oh, Rita, you have to pick a date. You have to aim. You have to envision the aim, right? The the the, the year, right?" And I'm like, "Okay, 2021, right?" I don't know how realistic that is, but you know, hearing hearing all of these stories, but I will say that for me, activism. I'm in I'm in health, right? So activism looks different for me, right? Doesn't mean that I'm not talking about health, right? It doesn't mean that I'm not advocating, no. It just happens to be that the way I introduce it to to a class or the way that I introduce it to students, it's a little bit different. I use their own tools to bring it in, Mm. right? So the way that I I hope that in the next five years I'm able to get a a position, a teaching position, I'm able to continue doing the research that I'm doing where I'm creating research that is that is gonna help people, Mm -hmm. and not because I have a need to publish and publish and publish and put myself out there, right? and um and learning how to you know i've been learning how to deprogram myself and how to check myself i mean like do did i have to really make this statement who was i affecting when i was making this statement mm. and learning how to apologize and say you know i'm sorry i was coming mm. from a wrong you know i was coming from a overwhelming space or maybe you know this has been my training since i grew up right but learning how to apologize and learning how to deprogram myself has been very powerful and how to humble myself where i like what you said lucha like Meeting, I think that we in in every space we have to meet people where they at. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, we shouldn't have all these high expectations of people. Man, all of us are struggling, especially in it right now. Like, all the minorities are struggling. We get to we hear all these things in the media. We get to experience a lot of these things. And I feel like that health messes, up, messes our health, like mental health and, and physical Super health. Super triggering. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, meeting people where they are and not assuming. And really just being listening. Like, really just taking a step and listening, right? So, yeah. that's what I... What I what I hope to learn, what I hope to do, what I hope to put in practice in the next five years. Um, and if I end up becoming a mom, that will be just beautiful. But we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for me, I guess I see myself in L.A. County uh, because I believe very firmly that um, I would never feel comfortable going into someone else's community and do like scholarship because this this is where my family chose to uh, migrate to and this is where I grew up and this is where I've done my research and my organizing and where I want to raise my family. Mm-hmm. And so for me, um, I want to stay in LA County and I want a tenure track position mm-hmm. um, so that I could continue to do the work that I do in a way that is more intentional and, and stable, right? Because being yeah. spread out across three campuses is extremely unstable, mm-hmm. unsustainable. And I dream about, wow, all the things that I could do if I was just in one campus and all the things that I could do outside of the campus, um, if, if I had that type of stability, financial stability and all of that, right? Um, and, you know, five years from now, I guess I think about, well, my child would be seven. Wow. Ah, that sounds so weird to say It goes by so fast. Um, and so I don't know, like I, I, as, as an educator, as someone that studies K through 12 public education, I always think about like, um, am I going to put my child into these schools that are horrible? Um, what you're preaching to the choir. (laughs) Yeah. And so, you know, my partner and I, we, we've explored other alternatives and, and we keep talking about these things, but I'm still like diehard, like faithful. I believe in public education and I believe that we need to re not reclaim because they were never ours, Mm. but we need to claim them as ours Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. make them Mm -hmm. a a better reflection of the communities that they're situating in. So this is why I've done so much work in public education. And so I want to continue to do that, right? Like we have the Ethnic Studies Now campaign. We have the advisory committee in the school district. I'm a product of public schooling. Um, And so I want to be the professora on the block that gets shit done. Like I want to be the one that, you know, um, what? She has... She has a PhD and she still lives here. She has a PhD and she came back. Like, I've been here. I've been doing this work. And to model that for my vecinas, my vecinos, for the next generation to see. Because I felt like as a child, right, it's part of my healing. I felt like as a child, I always wanted to see that. I always wanted to see someone um, be able to come back to our community and, and have a bigger tool set. Right, that we can yeah. make this change, and so for me, it's been about that. Like the times that I've been away, the times that I've been in school, and and even over all the organizing that I've done, it's about creating a, a larger toolbox for us to dismantle and for us to create. Um, and so, hopefully, in five years, that's what I'll be doing more <laughs> of. <laughs> so we're gonna have to wrap this up. Yeah. Um, but I just want. Last question is if you can just maybe one or two sentences, mm-hmm. your advice for other other Chicana, Latina, mm-hmm. mujeres 
either contemplating, you know, this path or if it's somewhere on their radar, even if it's not, you know, like what would be your advice or or femtorship? My advice would be none of us ever got here alone and you'll never get to where you want to be alone. And even though some people may, three sentences, even though it may sound like some people got there and they pulled themselves up by their bootstraps, no, they didn't. So rely on your community, allow yourself to fall back on your community. Um, I'm part of your community, and so reach mm-hmm, out. Mm-hmm. And so that that will be my two cents. Uh, my, my advice will be to... Um, to really think about the discipline you want to go into. Mm-hmm. Um, if you feel like maybe what you want to do is more policy, then go policy. If it's public health, public health, maybe it's education, right? To really think about that. I would even say to go and check out the classes before you even start the program. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Get a taste of the classes. Get a taste of the professors mm-hmm. before you make that huge commitment. Because you're committing to something really big. And you're mm-hmm. going to pull out a whole lot of loans, right? So, so yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then find your support system in the school. You need to find a support system. I have different support systems. I have the ones in the hood. I have the ones at school. Okay. I have the ones that that um that are mixed. I have you know. So find find your support system. It could be that one support system could provide you with with one thing, and then the other support system could provide you with a whole different thing. Mm-hmm. And finally, mentors. Mentors are not always going to have the answers. It could be that maybe one mentor is able to provide you with one advice, and you're like, hmm. And you go to another mentor, and they provide you with everything else. But then you have that other mentor there. So it's almost when it comes to mentors, it's almost like you're always having to put a puzzle together. I go to yeah, there you go. I go to one for this. I go to the other one for that, and I go for to this other one because it's gonna provide me with this. Yes. Yes. So you don't have to stick to one mentor, and and mentors don't have to be academic. And mentors could be people that are the same age, even younger than you. Can we give a word too? Okay. <laughs> you know, thinking about like what you focus on, what yeah. you like really like, like connecting to something you love. Yeah. And that's so hard sometimes because we're taught not to know what we love, yeah. you know? And so I feel like for a little while I studied things that were a challenge or I wanted to overcome or something. Mm-hmm. And then when I got into it, I was like, ah, this is too hard or it's not working, you know? And so really coming back to, oh, I, I like doing that. I like doing that, you know, and like I think letting that like kind of that drive you, you know, mm-hmm. instead what of sparks your joy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What sparks joy? Totally. So I'll say, my, <laughs> I I'm always one of like logistics. Mm-hmm. I always tell my students half of college is knowing what offices to go to, where to file the right paperwork, that you're going to have to stand it in the financial aid line for a long time. Mm-hmm. Your paperwork could get lost. This is all stuff that's happened to me. <laughs> right? Like, um, and sometimes you're going to have to do a lot of running around and it can take, it can, it can be very taxing or it can be very exhausting. But just to like, if you know that that's what, um, if you know going into it, like this is what it's going to be, oh, then, yeah. then it prepares you. So I'm always about trying to share the logistics of it like um, come ask me I will tell you exactly what offices you need to go to you know Mm. yeah like I'll give you the step-by-step process so I'm all about the get to know this person get to know that person avoid that one yeah to protect yourself yeah so I'm all about the logistical like how to navigate you know even outside like the emotional aspect of Mm -hmm. it or whatever so anyway that is our time (laughs) thank you so so much much for being here this is amazing i love it it's amazing gracias